Hi, and welcome to The Curiosity Shift. We're here to unravel various perceptions and share our experiences in this chaotic and ever-progressing world. If you're curious too, join our conversations. Let's ask the meaningful questions and connect to what really matters. Hello, this is Jenny. And this is Ella. And welcome to episode 8 of The Curiosity Shift. Woo! Woo! This episode, we have a beefy one. We got a hefty guy. He's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be tackling homelessness. Honestly, I'm quite afraid of this myself. Yeah. But also, I think the purpose of this episode is mostly, I think this population deserves more empathy than they have right now mm-hmm. from our middle class perspective from someone who has a shelter and food stability like it's easy to look down at them and say you deserve this but we wanted to give a different perspective through all of our research and hopefully get you to empathize a little bit towards how much struggle it is for them to be out on the streets what their day-to-day life is like and what's stopping them from reintegrating into society again. It's not that they don't want to. Yeah, I think the empathy and the guilt Mm -hmm. is like driving this episode. And also one of my fears in life is becoming homeless. Like (laughs) I don't even know why that's so like specific, but like that's one of my fears. Yeah. And I think that has a big impact as to, like, why I feel so empathetic, sad, and guilty interacting or lack of interacting Mm -hmm. with this community. Yeah. Like, it just makes me feel so bad. And then it makes me think, like, what if I was in their position and then the fear starts up and, oh, my God, like I can't. I can't even imagine not having, not knowing where to go at the end of the day to reset and sleep and shower and all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and especially with what's going on with COVID and um, the increased exposure of homelessness, I think this is definitely a really important topic to tackle today. Yeah. So here we are, a beef boy. (laughs) Um, So we're going to be going through some definitions and some a deeper dive into who the homeless are, Mm -hmm. some causes, history. There's a lot of stuff with psychology. There's a lot of stuff about COVID and the youth. And there's a lot going on. Oh, my God. This (laughs) is going to be a really big one. So buckle up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really hope that you stick around for this episode because we do think that it's really important. To address. Yes. Yeah. I agree. So what do you hope that the listeners will gain from this episode? Um, Personally, when I lived downtown, I think I started blocking out the homeless population entirely. I didn't see them. I didn't want to interact with them anymore. And now that I've done my research on how and why they get into these situations, I've started feeling a bit more guilt towards my behavior beforehand, although it was coping because there's just so much going on downtown. But I think this population deserves more view for people to actually see them as humans and address their struggles. There's this huge stigma that these homeless people are just waste to the society. And we need a reminder that there are people as well. And unfortunately, they just had bad luck or something happened to them, abuse. There's so many reasons and causes that make them end up on the streets. And my goal for at the end of this episode is hopefully just for people to see this population, this community a bit more and 
the smallest thing that you can do will help them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we do that. Hopefully. So let's dive into the definition of homelessness. So the Canadian definition of homelessness is the situation of an individual, family, or community without safe, stable, permanent, appropriate housing, or the immediate means and ability of acquiring it. It's mm. the results of systemic societal behaviors, lack of affordable and appropriate housing, finances, mental cognitive, behavioral or physical challenges, and or racism and discrimination. So obviously there's a lot that goes into homelessness mm-hmm. and that kind of just shows how easy it is to fall into it. Yeah, because can you imagine you just lose your shelter or your home base and you can't clean yourself up to go to work, to contribute to society to begin with. So where do you even start to pick yourself back up? And then you Especially do shit at your job. If you have a family too, that you have to take care of a child on top of figuring your own shit out at this point. Like that's just insane. And they're not just some person on the street. I don't know. There's just like so many challenges that goes behind it. It's like scary. Mm-hmm. And Knowing this made me more empathetic because to some extent, everyone faces some of these struggles. Yeah. So to know that these struggles can get to the point where it can lead to homelessness yeah. is terrifying, right? Most particular one is mental health. Mm. Like if they had some psychiatric conditions, schizophrenia, like so then if you end up homeless with mental health issues, you have no help. You're absolutely fucked. That's despair. Yeah. Anyway. With the definition, I do think there's different types of homelessness because one article I read mentioned that, you know, someone who's couch surfing, a friend who is roommating with you temporarily could be considered homeless because technically they don't have shelter or the means to pay for their own home. (laughs) It's not a permanent home. Yeah. Yeah. So going off of that, there's actually four types of homelessness that's recognized under Canada's definition. Mm. So there's unsheltered emergency sheltered, provisionally accommodated, and a risk of homelessness. And the risk actually is the... Mr. Couch Surfer? Is the couch surfer. <laughs> That's your couch surfer, the risk. Ah, and that could be anybody. That yeah. could be any of us. But one thing that I learned is homelessness could happen to anyone if a big medical bill came up or, I don't know, you suddenly lost your job and cannot find another one. It could happen to me and you, which is terrifying, and that the government is not doing much to help once you're there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get into each typology just for quick understanding. Something that I did want to point out is that in the definition, they also mentioned that homelessness is not a static state. It's oh. it's fluid. Homelessness is fluid. Mm. So you actually flow in and out of these four typologies. Sometimes maybe all four, sometimes just a couple, but it's never just one standard static experience. That makes sense. Because your situation will get worse, highs, lows. Exactly. Mm. And like we have different access to resources that have, some actually have time limits, which sucks, right? So starting with unsheltered, that's absolute homelessness. This is the extreme. Mm -hmm. You're basically on the street. You're in parks. You're in tents. You don't have a roof over your head. This is basically you're out in the wild. Mm. The next one is emergency sheltered. So this is people in a crisis situation. Mm. They are the ones that are escaping an abuse household. 
they're fleeing, mm-hmm. there's a natural disaster, their house was set on fire. So these are the people that can be offered private rooms and support to help rebuild their lives. Is there a criteria that you have to meet to be applicable as these emergency? A lot of them do, yeah. Mm. Like, especially for emergency, like, you need to show that there has been an emergency, like, fleeing. You have some sort of evidence that you're fleeing from something, like, abusive or your house is burnt down. If it destroys your already stable living situation yeah like that counts as an emergency but there's a time criteria it's like get your shit together during this time limit and if not you're unsheltered then then you basically get moved to like even more temporary housing Mm. like you can only have so much to get your shit back together Mm. before they have to allow more people to come in which sucks i see And then that goes into the provisionally accommodated typology. Provisionally accommodated is a temporary means of living. And this is actually a little bit unfair and unstable in a way. Because in certain neighborhoods, you can get better resources than others. Oh, interesting. So in some of these accommodations, you may or may not get food. Wow. You may get a bed. You may have the bunk with other people. You might get resources that can help you back on your feet. You might get nothing. Mm. There's a lot of different levels here, Mm. and it really depends on the neighborhood that you're in. I want to add in, interesting that you talk about this migration of homeless population, because I did read that people tend to go to Vancouver because it's warmer there. The climate doesn't, it's not as freezing cold as Toronto weather. I don't know about their policies. Maybe, like you said, they get better care out there than here. So Vancouver is actually overwhelmed with, there's a percentage of homeless people coming from other parts of Canada versus local. So there was a percent, like 44% is what I can recite. 44% of the population. Of the homeless population is from outside of Vancouver or BC. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a big chunk. Yeah. So just the climate is one of the factors why people want to be there. There might be other factors that I don't know about. Yeah, like it could maybe be the fact that they have better accommodations or maybe not. Like yeah. it's, like we really could not know until we get into that. Yeah. And then we get into the last typology, which is risk of homelessness. So these people are not completely homeless yet. But they are in a situation where they could be. Mm. So that could be a stressful, unstable employment situation, severe mental illness, any behavioral issues, or just basically anything. That's crazy because it sounds like that could be anybody. If something suddenly happens, if you broke a leg randomly and cannot afford your medical bill. Yeah, it's basically like if you get suddenly like unemployed or if you get into an accident that you weren't financially ready for Mm. which is part of our adult take episode have a (laughs) savings emergency fund yeah oh my gosh but yeah like so basically this is just such a risky area Mm -hmm. that you could be in like the yellow zone or you can be in the hot red zone like this is basically where you have your couch surfers Mm. and 
yeah this is just like living in your car like technically you have a roof over your head but it's not an appropriate living situation it's interesting to address that even if we as young adults lost our jobs our parents most of our parents are there to safety net us and say hey we'll take you in for like a month until you get back on your feet again some people don't have that privilege no so that's just how easy it is to become homeless which is so scary which kind of transitions into who are these people right like we've talked about how this is like the invisible population that nobody wanted to see but some of the stuff you've addressed like health problems often it's somebody that has a mental or physical health issue and disabling condition to make them unable to work anymore that could involve cancer or it could be involving you broke a leg and cannot physically get to work and your job fires you. Some unforeseen sudden situation could make any of us end up there. What really broke my heart is war veterans. There's a huge population of homelessness that are ex-war veterans, and it's like you fought for a country that won't even care for you now. And sometimes they come back from war with PTSD, with these conditions that really require help but maybe too much money for the government to handle and they are unable to work it's insane to me that these people get pushed into homelessness and earlier you also addressed domestic violence so that's not a situation somebody would choose to be in but they ended up there so how do you get out of like battered woman for example you can't get out of a situation so easily when your livelihood and loved one quote unquote is supplying for your shelter your food your stability and all of a sudden you need to escape but you have no idea how to escape and then all of a sudden you're on the streets and you get even more abused because people just don't respect the homeless population so another case and example of how hard it is to get out of these situations um, some others that we're looking at is youth looking for a fresh start imagine just moving to san francisco because you had this bright opportunity idea that you want to start your own business there and then all of a sudden you can't find a job you can't afford any housing there. You don't have your parents to fall back on. You can't even buy a plane ticket to come back at that point. What happens? Some of these situations starts off as a lot more optimistic than you think. Man, you're really going to scare people from wanting to <laughs> go abroad and live their life. But it's kind of true in a way. Like if you go, oh my God, I'm going to like scare everyone. But if you like go to another city to like explore like a new job opportunity, you go there with like... I don't even know how much money, but then eventually, like, you get into an accident or, like, Mm -hmm. you lose your job, Mm -hmm. and then you're suddenly couch surfing and being like, okay, you know what? I promise I'm going to, like, get back on my feet. Then you don't get back on your feet, and then some shit happens. I don't know. And all of that is, like, mental, too, because you feel like a failure. Therefore, you believe you are a failure. God, and then this is where the addiction starts. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's another thing. Like, do addictions happen because of the fact that they're homeless or are they homeless because they have that addiction i think a lot more people have less empathy for them because they think you got yourself into this drug abuse problem you get yourself out of it i don't have to donate you money there's a lot of criteria actually in these shelters that you have to meet a certain spot in your life you have to be like completely clean like you have to like quit your addiction like you have to prove yourself to Mm. be able to go into these shelters yeah in order to get in yeah which kind of defeats the purpose because they already don't have the resources Mm -hmm. 
to get out of it, which is why they're trying to seek shelter and seek resources. Mm -hmm. But if you need them to already be at that point... It's kind of tough. But also, I get it. It it kind of butts each other in the head. Yeah, I get it because also you don't want to be putting your money where it's going to be wasted. I kind of get that mentality too. Oh my gosh, I just wanted to mention one thing though about the affordability stuff. Mm -hmm. So affordability of housing your rent should be one-third of your income before tax. So that's the thing. If your rent or if your housing expenses are more than a third of your income, then you have a higher probability of being risky in that homelessness situation. For example, if I were to only pay a third of my income Mm -hmm. for housing, then another third can be for my food and my necessities and my transportation to work. Mm. Like, but then the other third can be like savings and my own spendings. Right. So then you have enough for your savings for your emergency fund or like anything, and then that keeps you more stable. Yeah. Versus imagine if your income was like half 60 70 percent of your income then you have so much less to work with Mm -hmm. and then you become stressed and if you have a situation that comes about and you lose your job then you have less of an emergency fund to keep you going Mm -hmm. which means you will fall at a faster rate right Mm. one of the articles that i read i learned that a high percentage of the homeless population in BC is the indigenous population. I have notes on that too. I did not see that coming whatsoever, but it also really made sense as soon as I read that. Because how shitty has the Canadian system has treated this population? And now to think that they are homeless and out there and not being taken care of, all because of the horrors that... It's the colonization and cultural genocide. Yeah. That happened in Canada. Yeah, and so they like, make up a number. They make up a number. A b- I just, when I think about homeless population, it's so much more diverse than you think. I thought it'd be schizophrenic people and mental health issues, battered women. I thought about all of that. I did not think about indigenous people. Like, that just caught me by surprise. But at the same time, like, no wonder, though. (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah. And they're so under-supported as well. Mm -hmm. Like, even to this day. One thing I wanted to add in to who these people are because i think it's bad to generalize homeless as one label because amongst homeless there's so many subcategories of why they ended up there and how or who they are yeah and that really helps our empathy to get them out of their struggles Mm mm-hmm Good one. The next thing that I wanted to touch upon was why do we see more homeless people? Where did they come from? Where were they before? Mm. Do you know? Part of it I I can think of is climate. So during the winter, they probably go to shelters because it's physically impossible to be outside. Mm -hmm. And then during summer months, they come out because these shelters are not as desirable as we think they are. So I heard about the story where there's a homeless person who was outside of our school and one of our friends was talking to him and said that, hey, man, why don't you go to shelters where you can get resources? And he said, listen, if we don't need to be at the shelter, nobody wants to be at the shelter. It's bed bug infested. There's oh cockroaches. 
it's dirty there, and it's not a great place mentally for them to be at.、Right. Especially, as it's probably crowded. That was just a, such an interesting point, a different perspective to hear from him. That's actually very interesting that you brought that up, because I had a section of research where I learned that. A lot of people don't like going to shelters because,、mm. in certain cases, it becomes even more undesirable and fearful to be in、mm. due to like lack of privacy.、Oh. Like, like usually you're under strict rules. You have to be awake at a certain time, sleeping at a certain time. Everyone's always watching you. You basically lack freedom to do many of the things. Imagine your worst roommate story, but times ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I already want to throw up. And then it's also like you might not even trust the people that you're around, right? That's the one thing that he that person also mentioned. Yeah, because like at least when you're out in like parks or on the street or whatever, like you can isolate yourself、mm-hmm. or you can be around your community and people、mm-hmm. that you are aware of and you trust. Whereas if you're in a shelter, like. You're surrounded by people that you don't even know. Yeah, and there's a lot of stealing that goes on. At、yeah. These places too. Yeah. So it's like with all of these in mind, not being able to have privacy, freedom, and to have so much distrust and fear. Like、yeah. some people even fear the people that they might be around in shelters. Yeah. So that explains actually why people would rather be in parks and in other vacant areas、yeah. versus like shelters. Yeah. So going back to why we see more homeless people now more than ever, you know how I told you before that that homelessness isn't static; it's fluid.、Mm-hmm. So people move back and forth from different locations all the time, and when it comes to absolute homelessness, that's when people are in like parks, jails, hospitals,、oh. vacant lots. They go to jails for like food. Oh. Right, considering that the economy keeps booming、mm-hmm. and new condo buildings keep getting built,、mm-hmm. it's they're getting kicked out more and more so that they can build these condos. Yep. Right. Yep. So that makes people have to leave, and it makes them more visible by having to move back onto the streets and、mm-hmm. parks and everything. And a lack of shelter, which、yeah. is where. More working people cross,、mm-hmm. so that's why they see them more. There's also jails, so there's been an increased effort to lessen the amount of incarcerations of people who aren't actually dangerous. So, like, there will be people who purposely do things to get into jail in order to get like a shelter、oh, and food. Yeah, but then. Because there's a higher like effort of not actually putting those people in jail, right? They're also getting less opportunity to get in there,、mm. um, because it takes a lot of money to be able to upkeep jails and、yeah. keep people in there. Yeah. So the city is technically doing a smart thing、mm-hmm. in a way. And then there's also three quarter houses. Three quarter houses are like transitional houses. Okay. Right. Is just shared housing for people who are recovering, and split expenses to live in basically a joint house. Without,、oh, it's like a roommate situation. Yeah, it's a roommate、oh. situation where they're recovering from like drugs and alcohol. Oh. So after residents completes like a drug program, they go into a three quarter、oh. house so that they can like have lower rent 
and recover with other people right in order to be reintroduced into society like fully but then because these houses are getting more and more scandals and are more linked to crime Mm. they're shutting them down which again less temporary housing for yeah them. i heard this thing called section 8 housing in the u.s it's where people you just fill a form to apply for housing and then the government takes a percentage of your rent and the tenant only pays 30 percent of the rent oh yeah, yeah yeah but there's definitely like a list of criteria that you have to meet and also the list for this is super long so good luck getting into oh that gosh. sort of thing <laughs> so low of a percentage of being able to like actually go through that yeah yeah So because of the lots, jails, three-quarter houses, and hospitals, hospitals are also letting less people in in Mm. order to have more room for people who are in more critical condition. We see more homeless people at the same time outside. Whereas normally, for example, before COVID, it would be more of like a revolving door metaphor Mm. when there's always a certain amount of people in hospitals or in some sort of temporary shelter situation Mm -hmm. and then a certain amount of people out on the streets versus now because so many things are closed and so many things are are being like regulated and limited that people are now either forced to or choosing to be completely unsheltered outside Mm. so that's why we see more of them it's not the fact that we're increasing the amount of homelessness like that's still happening but it's Mm -hmm. not to the state where like we would notice insane increase of homelessness Mm. it's existing homelessness that that's migrating that we're seeing at the Mm. exact same time i noticed that there's more tents in the parks these days especially during covid times right now i imagine you can't go into your regular mcdonald's to stay in there anymore so people are just looking for all the possibility outside bus shelters Even bus shelters, actually, no, side tangent. (laughs) No, no, keep that tangent because in the middle-ish of COVID, Mm -hmm. I was watching a news interview Mm -hmm. where they were interviewing these old women Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. who were known to sleep and live at 24-hour McDonald's. Mm. So they would allow for some people to be able to sleep and eat for cheaper or for free there Mm. i think it's cheaper there and then be able to like sleep there yeah until normal opening hours opens up then they'll leave wow but because covid they have to kick them all out and so now all of these old women in hong kong who would normally be sleeping in mcdonald's and eating in mcdonald's they're going unsheltered and more hungry so because mcdonald's is now closing their doors for Mm. them they just go to their outside communities that's so sad it made me so sad oh my gosh (laughs) because that just shows how many like opportunities there were yeah that obviously aren't even great, these, but they these, were like, there. Big corporations are doing this, which I'm really impressed with McDonald's there. But the fact that obviously with COVID, now that sanitation and everything is such a big concern now, mm-hmm. we can't just have this homeless community walking into different places, I guess, unmasked is probably the concern. Yeah, it's really sad. So your side tangent reminded me of that story. Yeah, my, well, my side tangent was about more of how bus shelters and public spaces are now being designed to hostile make... Hostile design. Hostile design. So that the homeless population are not able to stay 
at a certain place for a prolonged amount of time because of intentionally poor ergonomic design. Basically, they're designing obstacles in order to create discomfort. Yeah. So this example is if you find a bench, normally the benches would just be like a clean, flat surface. Mm -hmm. But now they're putting like seat ridges in there to separate. Mm -hmm. But now that there's little indent metal pieces, you're not comfortable. Yeah. Or people put spikes on the ground. I've never seen a spike. Or, or on ledges. Yeah. I've seen or um, fences. There's also angles. Angles so um, you can roll off. So you off. can roll off if you like basically lay down on the bench. Oh my god. <laughs> the homeless population goes through so much struggle to begin with, and yet the middle class and upper class are still designing it so that they are getting out of their face. It's like out of sight, out of mind. They're intentionally, purposely designing things so that people can't be there (laughs) for long and on one side i get it on the other side how dare you (laughs) speaking of the fact that the odds are stacked against them the common misconception or idea is why can't they just get a job like why can't they just go out there and uplift themselves and you have to understand that they're going against such an unforgiving system to begin with things such as this hostile design and as well as getting a job is already hard enough <laughs> let's be right. real and for them maybe they have criminal records which narrows down their choices in job and opportunities and it's hard to get a job without an address or a means of contact if they don't have cell phone like what you're gonna tell your employer to call the payphone near you <laughs> Like, it just doesn't work that way. And gap years of unemployment, too, it raises red flags to employers. So even if they had the chance to print a resume somehow at the free local library, people will still see this as a sign of weakness, employers. And lastly, the ability to look presentable for an interview or even to transport to an interview. Like, so much of our society is first impressions. If you go in there without the ability of taking a shower, you're done. So I actually watched this interview mm-hmm. of these people interviewing this homeless lady. Mm-hmm. And in order to get ready for the interview, she used her last bottle I of think clean I watched the same interview. To wash her face. <laughs> and then her hair was messy because she didn't have enough water to wash her hair. Yep. So she borrowed someone's hat. Yep. And then she also found like a cheap necklace in her area to yep. put on so she could look nice for the interview found her like cleanest shirt mm-hmm. and i was just like jenny's got tears in her oh eyes oh my god I, like, I think i watched the same interview as you where she in order for them to feel like they have a voice like this interview mattered so much to her yeah to use like your last bottle of water to clean your face that's instead just, of drinking it yeah it's a, it's a basic necessity but like this is the <laughs> most that they could maximize their dignity yeah oh yeah she most she also mentioned dignity Mm -hmm. how like if you stay in this homeless state for prolonged amount of time it really does take a toll on your mental health and your own self-worth and then you start believing that i don't deserve to be in society anymore i don't deserve to have a job anymore like imagine the self-esteem problem then yeah it literally takes like a walk down the street or a quick youtube or news interview Mm -hmm. and you can like really see these people as like human people yeah (laughs) instead of just people who are asking for change or loitering on the streets yeah it's, it's beyond that yeah and now we're gonna go into a very current situation 
mm-hmm. homelessness and COVID. Mm-hmm. So I can't find any statistics about the exact number of the rising numbers mm. of potential homelessness. I kind of suspect it might be rising. I would suspect that it's rising too, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's people out here like actively counting these people. Yeah. And even then, the amount of people that are recorded to be homeless and can fit underneath this statistic, there are so many more hidden populations that wouldn't even be counted. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, so the homeless demographic right now that's the most susceptible is families with children. They're the Mm. fastest growing demographic. And 10% of Canadian families actually live below the cutoff and are unable to afford basic needs. The cutoff for what? The cutoff for income. Oh, okay. And there's also a huge uprise in homeless youth. During this time? In general. Oh, And then I'll touch upon, like, COVID and youth homelessness in a little bit. Okay. But I just wanted to introduce that in the last 25 years, there's been approximately a 450% increase of homeless youth. Oh, wow. And most of this is fleeing dangerous situations. Mm. There's a recorded 61% of homeless youth reporting abuse. Right. Oh, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. Because they did not choose that situation. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, they didn't. But to bring it back, we obviously know that there's stressful situations because of job loss. A lot Mm -hmm. of like service opportunities are being shut down, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also a digital divide. Oh. And this has to do with families because there's a digital divide in being able to work from home mm-hmm. and going to school from home. Because mm-hmm. if you think about the lower income population, a lot of these people rely on going to work to have internet access, to have work access, oh, right? right? And then there's a lot of students and youth that rely on libraries and schools right. to have access to Wi-Fi and the internet. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden these, you have to pay for all of that yourself. Now. Yeah, all of a sudden you have to pay for internet, maybe faster internet, and maybe all of these you can't even afford. Imagine not being able to pay that off. Or imagine having to sacrifice another one of your your home needs Mm. in order to be able to afford internet. Right. Like, what if you have to eat less? Oh, wow. Because not only are you paying for internet, you're also paying for electricity bills. Yeah. You also may be having to pay for technology. Mm -hmm. Like, what if you don't have a well-working laptop or even a laptop at all? or iPads. You know, my sister went to school and the school gave them all iPads. Oh, wow. Imagine you living in a neighborhood where the schools can't afford that. Yeah. Then you don't get... Then you... And like that just adds to like all of the possibilities of that digital divide, right? Yeah. Wow. Never thought about that. Um, Does that contribute to homelessness in any way? That contributes to a potential of youth homelessness now. Because, like, for example, if you were to be in a family that can't afford devices Mm -hmm. or afford internet, Mm -hmm. right? So in that case, some families will have to sacrifice other home needs in order to reach that. But then that puts them in a more financially burdening situation. Less money for rent, less money for food, less Mm -hmm. money for clothes. Right. And that puts them in a greater risk of becoming homeless, especially if the parents or any of the teens or whoever is like working age, Mm. if they lose their service jobs. Interesting. Because service jobs is the sector that's losing a lot. Yeah. 
So that contributes to it. Mm. And then not only that, if you can't afford to have a comfortable and appropriate school situation, some kids will be financially stressed, mentally stressed because they don't want to stress out their parents. Mm. So they might even start skipping classes not finishing school right and then that just falls apart from there right and then that leads to an increase of potential of those kids following paths of Mm. becoming homeless in the future right well i ask because i never thought about this digital perspective so the homeless youth population i know mostly have youth who are abandoned Mm -hmm. by their parents there's a huge population of lgbtq plus situation in that because your hardcore christian pastor dad does not approve of your ways i can see that a lot more I've never really considered the the digital part, Mm -hmm. which is enlightening. It is, because at least knowing for me, like I know I've always been privileged enough to have Mm. enough appropriate devices for school or for for work. But to know that some people can't even like, they rely on library computers. Yeah. And the thing is, I also realized is that a lot of schooling is becoming really digitalized. Mm which is making that need for all these digital devices. Yeah. Which is like terrifying. Yeah. It's like good in progression ways, but terrifying in op- in like opportunity yeah, ways. Yeah, it's sort of like a privileged way of seeing it. So, 69% of lower income families can afford internet access at home. Oh. Whereas wow. 99% of higher income families can afford internet. <laughs> Well, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, hex out. Obviously makes sense, but yeah, that's um, that's crazy. But from sixty nine to ninety nine, that's thirty percent jump. That's so interesting. How much internet is such a necessity now to our living, to our working capabilities? Like you have to include shelter, food, and internet, basically. Like Literally. that's a basic need at this point. But just to see like how connected and how dependent we are. Yeah. Um, do you think there are resources out there or places right now that offer free internet? Like let's say Toronto Public Library and McDonald's, Starbucks. Do you think with this shutdown f- during COVID, people are not dining in anymore, so there's no need for Wi-Fi. Do you think they've shut down Wi-Fi now so that the homeless population can't even access that anymore? That's an interesting question. Because I think Wi-Fi is still a thing. Okay. Like, I don't know about That's libraries. Because I don't know if libraries are open. Yeah, That's I don't know either. I don't know. I, I'm assuming no. But then again... I don't think you can go in. But when you can was don't, the last time? You can get books. You but can, you like, can't go oh. in to read in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, for example, McDonald's. You can get a food. You can get a snack. You can get whatever. Yeah. Sit in the corner. Yeah. And just work on whatever for X amount of things right yeah but then now you're only allowed like five people in there at once yeah and then like, they, what are you they kick you out sometimes they make you wait outside exactly <laughs> for food. so in a situation technically yes you can sit outside but then you only have so much amount of time until your device runs out of battery yeah or the weather has something to do with it right mm-hmm. like it could be like a rainy or snowy day yeah you can still go into a mcdonald's or a library and work versus now what are you going to stay outside and work in the rain yeah and it's also the homeless population is not even welcomed inside anymore yeah there's just so many obstacles now yeah a lot more than pre-covid for covid and youth students 
that are in like lower socioeconomic backgrounds, mm-hmm. they'll typically have a downfall in mental health as well because they have all of this stress of not being able to keep up with school and mm-hmm. their finances and how do I help my parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much of that. They're going to end up just quitting school anyways mm-hmm. or not even being able to go to school, especially with the increase of isolation. That's a really good point because... This kind of falls into the your risk of homelessness fa- oh, sector, right? So with COVID and its impact and your talk about the reliance on digital age, these youths are having more stress factors, which then contributes to even more risk for people to be homeless during this time. That's true. There's an uprising in like being forced to be in your own home. Yeah. So if you have any home abuse, yeah, then you're stuck with it. Yeah. Increasing your trauma. Mm-hmm. If you are isolated, maybe you don't have access to technology, so mm-hmm. you can't like have Zoom parties with your friends, yeah. right? Which is like, as much as like a Zoom party sounds like kind of silly, like isolation is a really big thing and loneliness and that adds to your mental health Mm -hmm. how many youth might want to escape their current home abuse situation now that they can't even go to school to escape it right so maybe they will choose the homeless route because it does seem brighter that way there's also health risks too Mm. because i think in general for everyone health has been a huge issue in covid like you can't move around as much as you usually do Mm, And then you develop more like bad habits, bad eating habits, bad mm-hmm. sleeping habits, bad coping methods, mm-hmm. like alcohol, drugs. So all in all, like these things just kind of add to like a bad mental space and a bad physical space mm. for youth. And then people are also using the phrase the lost generation of young people. <laughs> And this basically just groups together the marginalized youth and families that will feel the burdens of COVID-19 the most. Mm. And that basically encapsulates the entire section that I was just explaining. Mm. Families are going to feel it the most and so are the marginalized youth. And that just keeps adding to like the risk of it all. For homelessness, yeah, for sure. That's a beefy beefy one. That's a beefy one. So I think we'll end this episode with some personal stories. Because this episode was really heavy. Exhausting. so heavy. Yes. But before we get into that, I just wanted to say, I think a lot of people think that the homeless population deserve where they're at. Because either that they did something morally bad or they abuse in alcohol and drugs and are wasting their life away. So they're not a contributing member of society. Either way, I think people treat homeless people the same way they treat ex-cons and prisoners. People don't like the homeless population. We pretend they're not there. We think they deserve the suffering that they're getting. And the struggles because they brought it onto themselves. We think that people earned their homelessness by their actions in life. Instead of homelessness being something that happens to Two them. people, yeah. That's a really good way to phrase it. So anyway, getting into it, Jenny, do you have any personal experiences with interacting with homeless people? What were your thoughts and feelings on it? I think everyone has, but I've had some good experiences and some bad experiences Mm. so where do we want to start here let's start with bad okay i also have some too there was this one time where i was trying (laughs) to get somewhere Mm -hmm. um and i was in a rush but then someone was asking me for change Mm. and i for once 
did have change mm. on me right but it was like a bunch of i don't even remember like nickels dimes mm. maybe one quarter i don't know i just had like some like random small loose change and mm-hmm. i put it into his hand mm-hmm. he looked at it and i could see him mentally counting it and like gave me a look like oh that's it mm-hmm. and then he just dropped it on the ground and he kept walking oh wow and i was like i don't understand what just happened there like i think i was just in shock yeah that i was just like um okay and i just kept going mm-hmm. because i needed to get somewhere but it just felt so strange to me that someone wanted change and then when i gave them something that they just dropped it on the ground like yeah. they just dropped it on the ground i think there's times where i put something in someone's cup and mm. they looked in and they were kind of disappointed that it was like so little yeah but it's just that blatant throwing it on the ground yeah that i was just it's like they confused. saw it as disrespect on your part even though i also think most of my bad experiences feel like they were entitled to better or more money or treatment and part of me can't blame them either because i know i guess like if you look at how much change like i've given nickels to quarters dimes maybe even a few dollars but not a lot right never bills as someone who's out on the streets trying to live off of these small change it's really kind of impossible to so I can understand the disappointment when they think that, you know, they're probably thinking, this is all you got as someone who needs this to survive. This is all you can provide. Yeah, it's like, I know they're hoping for like at least like $2. Yeah. Hopefully more, but yeah. at least like, but then I only had like a couple cents. Yeah. So on one hand, empathetically, I get it. But on the other hand, it was like, oh. It rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> is that my privilege setting in you know yeah like is it my privilege being kind of taken aback and like a little bit offended that they threw it on the ground i don't know what it was but it just felt all around off for me yeah but then i had some good experiences as well there's one time i was waiting for my boss to pick me up from a station Mm. and i saw that there was this guy who was sitting on a little crate saying good morning to everyone and just smiling he actually looked happy Mm. and of course like this is a very rare case where I could see someone looking that happy and that kind, mm. I guess. And every time someone did pass by, he did look like really sad. But then when another person came by, he would give that same... Oh my gosh, my I heart. I know, I know. And then I saw another guy run up to him saying like, yo, bro, look, look what I got. Like, I got a cookie. And, and <laughs> like, it was like a wrapped cookie. Yeah. So... He said he had maybe like two or he, or like he had a couple. Mm. And so he gave one of the cookies to the guy that was already there mm. and then he left. And so the guy who received this cookie mm-hmm. split the cookie in half, <gasps> went to the end of the street, which I could see, and gave a piece of this cookie to another homeless woman who was sitting at the end of the street and so they shared a cookie together and then he went back to his crate grabbed a jacket and then walked back to the woman and gave the woman his jacket came back to his crate and continued like nibbling on his cookie while saying good morning everyone wow my god that hurt my heart so bad and at that (sighs) point i ran because I was near a metro. Yeah. I ran into the metro. I got fruit. I got some granola bars. And then got a text from my boss saying, hey, I'm here. And I'm like, 
wait, wait, wait two minutes. <laughs> Paid for it, left, and the exit was near the woman instead mm. of the man. Yeah. So I gave it to the woman. I'm like, hey, I got you food. And she looks really thankful. And then I was just like, you know what? Please share it with that guy because I saw that he was helping you out. She's like, of course, I will be doing that. Before I could finish her reaction, I had yeah. to run. So I literally just said, okay, sorry, bye. And then I ditched her because I had to get into the car and yeah, go yeah, to yeah. a client site visit. Yeah. But I think just seeing that kindness right in front of my face yeah. made me in that moment realize these it, are people. it was a reminder that yeah. these are people too. And I just witnessed something like so kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just shook me so hard and i still think about it obviously that's so heartwarming i know but yeah how about you um i i'm just gonna go straight into the good so you know the tim hortons on ryerson campus Mm -hmm. at victoria and dundas Mm -hmm. once i was getting a coffee in the morning right before class and i think there was a woman that approached me and my guard was up and because there's a lot of homeless people in that area so I was like, oh, sorry, I, I don't have anything. Like, that's just my instant reaction at that point. And then she said, no, 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 please, just listen, just listen, please. I'm so hungry. I have went three days without food. Please, I, I'm not looking for money. Just please buy me something like food or anything. Just if you have anything, please help me out. And I was already making an order anyway. So I said, okay, well, why don't you choose a menu item and I'll just pay you with my order and stuff. I think that was the first time in my life where a person wasn't asking specifically for money. And I always thought money would do them harm because then they might invest it into drugs or alcohol. And so I'm thinking that I'm contributing to the problem. Although in my research, that's actually debunked. But at the time, it was just... I felt really great helping her, you know? And then when I left, I also felt I at least helped her survive a couple more days. So just having that, like, thought, it made me feel like, okay, I want to do this more often. Because you have the power and the capability to be able to help someone. Yeah, just that in itself warms my heart every time. And that anything small that we can do, donating time, donating some food, anything small could help them out. So why we should really do it more often. Also, um, one of my friends actually wrote letters. Penbow? Um, He wrote letters anonymously to homeless people and he just gave them out. And it's just like words of kindness and words of affirmation because it really helps their dignity and self-worth as well. So just like anything small, you don't even have to give them money or food if you're not in the position to. Like anything small really helps. So. Oh my God, that is so... I didn't even... Oh my God. I didn't even... It didn't even register to me that even having like words of kindness and... Yeah. A moment of acknowledgement and being seen. Yeah. Well, this segues into our next episode, which will address solutions and actual societal solutions, government policies on this homelessness problem. But one of the things that we, me and you can do is just show some respect and that recognize that these people have names. Right. Like your local downtown homeless person that you see all the time, like the guy at Tim Hortons on Ryerson campus that holds the door for everyone. I never got his name. He's such a local, like iconic guy in Ryerson community almost. Right. But we don't know his name. We don't know. Yo, are we bad people? his identity whatsoever right so just as simple as asking that person hey what's your name and every day passing by them saying hi bob 
that helps. Yeah. That helps them as well. It makes them feel seen and acknowledged. Yeah, just like the level of respect. I literally, as you were saying that, I had an idea of like getting like packs of granola bars or getting like oh yeah like different types of food and then writing like a little note on it and taping it onto like the back of the snack and then when we give it to them just be like hi can i get your name okay well john like here's a snack yeah I don't know. we should do a road trip like that <laughs> just like walk around downtown there's plenty opportunities to do so we can do things man <laughs> you can do things man i also read somewhere that you know, when they do approach you asking for something and you don't want to acknowledge them at that time at all, at least say to them, sorry, man, I don't have anything right now. Just having verbal exchange, I think a lot of people, like even on TTCs, just ignore them oh, as if they're not there. And I've done that. I admit I have done that because I'm just like, I have my headphones in. I don't want to talk to you. Not my problem today. But just looking at them in the eye and saying, I'm so sorry, I don't have anything on me is still a step better than ignoring. <laughs> I feel that, but a huge side tangent. There's this one guy that I always see on the TTC, mm-hmm. and he would always ask me for change. Mm-hmm. Then at one point, he just stopped. He would just look at me and be like, oh, it's you again, and then would keep going. Because <laughs> he recognized me. Well, you recognize him too. So in a way, you guys could really... We're friends. <laughs> <laughs> but really, right? <laughs> No, yeah, you're right. Anyway, I guess that... That ends the episode. (laughs) At least it ended with... Some hope. Yeah, some... Hopefulness. Some perspective, some empathy, and some ideas of how we can possibly help. We're going to delve into more solutions and more ways that you can help in the next episode. Mm -hmm. We can be more, like, mindful and acknowledging their existence and their dignity. Yeah, yeah. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about what Toronto's current plan is Mm. with dealing with homelessness and its solutions, as well as some other countries and other case studies about how other people are thinking about solving this issue. Right. And yeah, I also have a psychology study that's done trying to find out what happens when you give homeless people money. Like, what What do they really spend it on? Are they really wasting that money on drugs, alcohol, or do they actually want to get their life together? The findings are pretty surprising and interesting in a good way. And, yeah. Tune in next episode for some interesting perspectives. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us until the end. Literally, if you have finished this episode, I am so proud of you. You are an amazing person. You are beautiful. (laughs) Your hair looks beautiful on you right now. That shirt brings out your eyes. (gasps) You hottie with a body. (laughs) Anyways, remember to follow us on the Curiosity Shift podcast on Instagram. Let us know what you think of what we talked about today. And that's the end of our shift for Jenny and Ella's last two brain cells. Yep. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.